Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. I don't know if he's gonna be a good coach or not, but if this this dude, his neck was thicker than his ears when he played. <laughs> he's a fullback, man. That's right. Okay. Uh are we I mean we're recording, I think. We I, are live. All right, everybody. Welcome into kicking it. Hope you got that. Uh talking about neck thickness in coaches. Uh thick neck. Kicking it is brought to you by Kelderman Manufacturing. Uh Kelderman, normal size neck. Jeff Kelderman, normal size neck. So you you wouldn't be uh I mean it's it's not like saying he's a pencil neck, but He's like a, he has a normal human being sized proportions. So he's a nice guy. Normal, normal proportions. Uh, strong uh, hands. Strong hands. Uh, works in manufacturing. Better have strong hands. Anyway, uh, we're going to start. We got a couple things that we're going to get through. Um, we are recording this on the nicest day of the year so far. Uh, flannel season's dead, baby. Flannel season's dead for 30 hours. And then it's going to be 13 degrees again. That's so we are going to record this or recording this on a really nice or on the really nice day. It is after the Saturday game. It's going to be released before the Wednesday Oklahoma game and uh, also the women's game. I believe they host Cincinnati or they, yeah, they host Cincinnati on Wednesday night. Um, so before all those games, so we're Williams and Bloom are going to talk a lot about basketball. We're going to get the first part of the show kicked off pun intended with a with the Iowa state football coaching hires. So there is there's, I think there's a lot to go over because it's sort of confusing what all the titles and stuff are. I also was working all day yesterday. I was dadding all day today. So from a, uh, an in-depth standpoint, you guys are much more uh, kind of locked into this than I am. So what is explain to someone who missed it? If they're not on social media or didn't really check what coaching moves happened in in the wake of Nate Schuhas going to get his court his NFL head coach training under Sean McVay. Yeah. So um kind of like what we talked about last time, though, we, we thought it would maybe stay in stay in-house or stay close and to we the thought Clinton. Vest chest. Yes. We we thought the vest chest, the chest yeah, vest. Yes. The chest vest. Right on, his, right on right on the breast. Vest, yeah. breast. Um so Williams had, you know, he he had kind of not all of his eggs in, in the Mauser basket, but he had he had said that, you know, Mauser's kind of the next thought of in, in the same light as shield house and taylor mauser coaches tight ends which 
arguably the best position group that Iowa State's had over the last most six consistent to ten, for six, sure. six to whatever is this year nine, nine. year nine for Campbell over the last eight years because I don't know how long how long's Mauser been here the, the whole time? time so he, and he's been the tight ends coach the whole time right and, and he's also he's found I mean, he he's one that found Brock Purdy he's one that found Brees Hall I mean he's found some of the top recruits for Iowa State so he's 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 been a dude. It, it's not like he's it's like oh it's a tight ends coach. Why is that guy getting brought up there? So he started as a GA, okay. Campbell's first year, and then so that was 2016, and he was also a GA at Toledo in 2015, uh, and then 2017, 18, he was assistant director of scouting. So that's when you talk about like he was the yeah. guy who found the guys, you know. Uh, 19, 20, senior quality control slash offense, and 21, 22, he was the tight ends coach. 2023 to now tight end slash assistant head coach and now obviously offensive coordinator yeah and so assistant head coach is a pretty big i guess that, that got overlooked for me when we were talking about who could potentially be the next oc um because basically because tyson Vite was that before so tyson right. Vite left and uh and it, like the assistant head coach to me that feels like the person who has the most administrative capacity beyond Campbell. So we talked last week about like, what does a head coach and a coordinator do, which is why it's so hard. You don't want to bring somebody from the outside to be your coordinator because of all the stuff that goes into the logistics and why Campbell wouldn't likely be the coordinator. Well, if the associate head coach is probably going to be that position, that person who's like, Hey, we need to make sure that we get um, better motivation in our freshman class when they're in the weight room you can go go work with the strength coach and let's make sure that we get this thing that we know what we're doing and here's how we're going to develop camaraderie and stuff like that. All those things need to get set and directionally moved by the head coach. The associate head coach is the one that's going to take some of those tasks off the plate of the head coach. That was Tyson Vite. Tyson Vite leaves to go be the DC at, I forget, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, and he is now, they need a new associate head coach in steps Taylor Mountain. Yep, so Mauser will still coach tight ends, but he will be the offensive coordinator at the Iowa State Cyclones next year. Um, Ryan Clanton, who we thought would be the OC, um, which I came to learn that he was the OC, was an OC at UNI, but didn't call plays. He basically just got assigned that position to get a pay raise. So I should have done more research before I put Megs in the Clanton basket. Uh, but he will continue to be offensive line coach, and he's going to be the run game coordinator. And then Noah Pauly, who is our receiver coach, he'll be the passing game coordinator. And then Jake Waters just got announced as running backs coach. Skirt, you're going to be the quarterback coach, which <laughs> I like. Left. I like. I, I, I've always been in the camp that I, I, if you were quarterback in college, you're more naturally to coach quarterbacks. Like I was a kicker in college. I am not going to coach tight ends. <laughs> I, you could. You could. could just ooh, run your feet. Just no. get your hands in. Get, yeah, soft get your hands. hands. Got to have soft hands. Um, so I've always been, and that's why I love the move from from Shieldhouse, which I feel like quarterback's a little bit different because you have to know, you know, what the running backs doing, what what everyone you have to know. When you also also have to know what the defense is doing. You got to know twenty two positions if, when you're the quarterback. So so I feel like a quarterback is maybe a little more versatile in that they could coach receivers or running backs like Shieldhouse did. But then also, when he coached quarterbacks, I feel like that was Rocco had a great year. I think a lot of it was due to I'm not, I'm not taking away, you know, anything that the, the previous quarterback coaches did or didn't do. But I feel like Shieldhouse was a dynamic athlete at Illinois when he played, and then coming to Iowa State, coaching the quarterbacks, I think he was able just to naturally give you know Rocco and JJ and the other guys in the, in the quarterback room just some 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 insight and some things to think about that 
you know, maybe if you were a receiver trying to coach quarterbacks, you may not know. Yeah. And, and this says nothing about Kyle Kempt one way or the other, No, you know, and, and we he's, don't and know. And I think he's still super involved. Yeah. I think he's still going to be super involved. He just doesn't, I, I think he has, doesn't have as much of a diversity of experience as waters does. And I also think you, then you compare, uh, to the new guy. So let's, let's get to the, there's one other staff thing that, that we haven't necessarily said. So there's going to be Noah Paul is going to be the pass game coordinator. Ryan Clanton is going to be the run game coordinator. Taylor Mauser is going to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll unpack all of this, but there's one more move that happened. Yep. And then obviously Jay Quarters quarterback. Um, if you said that, um, Tyler roll. So he was at, uh, North Dakota state and he played what position? Everybody running back fullback. God damn right. This dude's no, neck, this dude's, God damn right this dude's neck was thicker than his ears and his, in his like pictures when he, he played. Did t- he seems like a neck roll guy. Was he a neck roll guy? I don't know, but he ran for like 260 yards uh, against Minnesota before NDSU became Division One. He was, I mean, Aiden's, Aiden's efforting to see if this is neck roll. So, cowboy color. Yeah, guy. so he, he no longer has a, a a thick neck like that. But dude, his his playing day pictures were impressive. Well, you got to have. I mean, legit. When you were, and so I was Taylor my, Mansfield-esque. My, that's a that's a bold. So did you know Taylor Mansfield is a is a military surgeon? No. Whoa. Yeah, he went to medical school at Bethesda, that and then he became a military surgeon. I mean, he's the smartest. He is the smartest person that I played with, other than Jared Weaver. His traps, Jared Weaver, his traps had traps. He's he was also a damn good wrestler. Um, also, he won every Nordic Days competition up there in uh, Decora because he was a Decora guy. Uh, where it's like throw a rock for as long as you can, and like pick up this barrel and throw it over a wall. He won those like every single year. Oh sure, because he's Kronk, me strong, yeah. uh, and then just happened to be brilliant as well. Anyway, um, so. Royal or Roll is now the running backs coach. He was the offensive coordinator at North Dakota State, which is where he played. He then became for a hot couple months. So he he got hired this year. So January of this year, Tennessee State poached him. So Tennessee State took him from North Dakota State to be the office, offensive coordinator at Tennessee State. Tennessee State's head coach is Eddie George. So Hall of Fame running back, Hall of Fame NFL running back Eddie George. No, and also huge human absolutely enormous human being like i'm gonna put a pause in that story just because i have an eddie george story right. so there are very there's only two people that have ever fanboyed in my entire life one is john jones and two is eddie george and uh eddie george when we were down it's big 12 media days my senior year he was covering football before at that point he was covering football for fox and i loved 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 eddie george growing up he was exactly what i wanted to be like i i wanted to play receiver because of ed mccaffrey because I thought I was smaller than I was and faster than I was. Uh, turns out that I better fit to be an Eddie George guy. Sure. But I loved watching Eddie George because he just would truck people. Like, big, I'm bigger than you. I'm, he was Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry. If you're too young to remember having watched Eddie George, unbelievable power. So Eddie George is walking through the hallway, and I'm like, this is the only chance I'm going to have to introduce myself to Eddie George. So I went up and like shook my hand, bear paws, absolute bear paws. Checked him into the lockers. Really nice guy. But I went up and was like, Hey, Mr. George, <laughs> like Jeez, Mr. George, I, I didn't have anything after that. Like I didn't have any plan because it was like, he's walking across the hallway. I'm sitting there like in between media segments, you go do an interview with whatever. And uh, I walk up there and was like, yeah, Mr. George, I'm a huge fan. And like nothing in my brain after that. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then I went, I was like, I play running back too. <laughs> No, and that's it. And that's it. He's like, ah, oh, it's cool. And was, was like, Iowa State is like, yep. Oh, like, I don't remember what happened after that. Kind of blacked out and then left. And I realized, like, instantly in that moment, realizing, like, I'm a moron. I'm an absolute moron. But I got to shake Eddie George's hand. So Sweet. that was uh, the only one of the few times that I've like actually fanboyed in my life. Most of the time, 
other than that, if there is a famous person that you meet, you're like, oh, that's just a person. Like you can kind of get used to it. So that, yeah, that's anytime I think of Eddie George or see Eddie George on either TV or whatever, I just think of being an idiot 21 year old with no idea what he I was doing. Football too. I play running back football too. Do you play <laughs> football? I like your hair. Have you guys ever seen the Beavis and Butthead movie? Uh, not like the, the movie. old one. Not the movie, but I've seen the shows. Yeah. Have you seen it? Am I? There's a part where Butthead is trying to talk to a girl. I see you have braces. I also have braces. <laughs> uh, that, that was Jeff. That was Jeff. Okay, back to my story. Back to my story, though. If Eddie George <laughs> handpicks Tyler Roll to be his offensive coordinator, Boobs. that tells me that tells me that he, he's a damn good coach. And if you look at you know what North Dakota State did, um, it's it's very much what I think Matt Campbell wants to do, which is fifth, pound fifth, pound the fifth, rock, two fullbacks, three tight ends, screw you style football. I think the way it doesn't there's more than one way to skin a cat, and you want to change the roster to match what the best personnel that you have. But no matter what personnel North Dakota State had, because they had Trey Lance, you know, like dynamic running quarterback, they had an offense that was more shotgun. Um, giving a lot more mobility to the quarterback, but they still dominated time of possession. So it's the style of football that they're wanting to play. So Roll gets hired as the running backs coach. So, so yeah, so technically, technically he accepted the position at Tennessee State, but didn't call a single play from. He was there for two months, and then it was like, eh, just kidding. I'm gonna go to Iowa State and play in the Big Twelve. A bunch more money. Yeah, I'm sure. So and so, I, I'm sure he will have quite the. Obviously, he's a running backs coach. I'm sure he will. Him and Clan will probably be, you know. As, as a running back, as a running backs coach and an offensive line coach should be. Yeah, yeah, because last year at North Dakota State, they North Dakota State ran for thirty eight hundred yards and passed for just shy of three thousand yards. So not bad, Bob. So, so they ran for yeah about a thousand yards more than they passed, which I think is what Campbell kind of wants to. And to you ha- kind of have the personnel to do that. Like you that, have a, that's what I was going to say. You have a lot of wide receivers and you have a lot of weapons, but like you have to be a run first offense in the way that Iowa State wants to play. For what my guess is, so let, let's unpack all that now. So Jake Waters named to the running backs coach, then moved from running backs to quarterbacks coach. Uh, then Noel- do you think he leaves that on his resume? I was a quarter, I was a running backs coach for, for a week. <laughs> it's not even a week. It was like three days. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, technically I was a running backs coach. It's, on his, it's another line in his LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, so the so Waters gets hired as a running backs coach, gets moved over to be a quarterbacks coach. They hire Roll to be the running backs coach. They promote Mauser to the offensive coordinator. They promote kind of. Clanton to be the run game coordinator to promote Noah Pauly, the wide receivers coach, to be the pass game coordinator. That's a lot of titles, man. So let's unpack for the for the average fan uh, and the above average fans because you're all above average fans. Uh, so the what's like for my money, what's going to happen? Uh, what the, of the distribution of work is? My guess is that Mauser is going to be the play caller on Saturdays, and those three are going to work together. To say, and we say those three, those three meaning Mauser, Pauly, and Clanton. Those three, the ones that have the offense coordinators of offense in their run game, pass game, offense. Those three are going to work together to create the game plan that the coordinator likes the best. And in the in pre last year, when it was Shieldhouse, Shieldhouse came up with and said, you know, obviously using input from everyone else, but if there's an executive decision to be made, uh, I would imagine Mauser has that capacity, but it's uh he said, okay, we want to run outside zone here. We want to make sure that we run, uh, we get tight end of the boundary and we want to make sure that we get Bramer on one-on-one on their safety. How do we formation that? 
And he's the one that's coming up with the game plan who then communicates it to all the position coaches. Here's what I want to happen during the week. And there's a give and take through there. So there's, you know, the offensive line coach is going to say, Hey, we really think that the, you know, Tyler Miller is going to have a good day against this defensive end and, you know, input that way, but he's going to be the one coming up with it last year, this year, those three are going to probably be working together more collaboratively to come up with something that they all like. And then from there, as the offensive coordinator, he's probably just going to be responsible for calling plays and like the run game segment of in the inside drill, where it's just running on running, where we're practicing all of our run games or against the scout look. Clanton's going to be in charge of that and making sure that the running game is really, really sharp. That was the coordinator's job last year of making the offensive quarter shield houses where you make sure that the run game itself is really sharp. And then in like seven on seven or your skeleton or you're against scout or whatever. And you're trying to make sure that the pass game is really sharp. That's going to be Pauly's job now to make sure that the passing game is really sharp. And then they relay that information back to Mauser, who's also going to be involved in both because tight ends have to run block. They also have to catch passes. So they are naturally involved in both of those things. So Mauser is already kind of sandwiched in the middle of the running game and the passing game as a tight end. So those guys will then feed up to him. Here are the things that we like, and they're probably going to like by committee, put together the script of what the plays are going to be. And then on, on game day, Mauser's probably going to be the one that has the last call on what the plays are actually going to be. The one who goes through and says it's second and seven. I got 32 seconds after the, the play clock ball gets reset. I got 32 seconds to make a call. You're not going to have uh, uh, Mauser going, Ryan, I need to run play. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, run uh, green pony, green pony. Okay. So it's not going to be that. Like Mauser's going to be probably the one calling the plays. But on the sideline, there's probably going to be an interaction of saying, hey, run game, we need to get the ball going. It looks like, hey, when we run to the left side, it's being successful. What do we have that gets better to the left side? Clanton goes through his play sheet, recommends things to come back up there. My guess is it's sort of a collaborative thing, and Mauser, I would assume, is going to be the one calling the plays as the offensive coordinator. One more step to this, I would guess all of this is a temporary solution before Roll becomes the OC in the future. And what makes you say that? We talked last week about making sure that the coordinator speaks the language that the kids speak because of all the subtext that goes into it. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time into it. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, pause this, go back and listen to last week's and you'll catch back up on it. And because of that language barrier, he gets hired end of February. You, you I believe spring ball starts like already, like it's probably somewhat going like right practice now. Practice itself starts in two, three weeks. Right. So spring ball is really quick. If you're going to be named the OC and you have all of these existing players, Iowa State has what? Of offensive starters, they have everybody back? Everyone. So you have all 11 starters back. You're going to change the language on all 11 starters? No. So my guess is that this is a year to learn the nomenclature, the preferences, the statistics, not the statistics, the, the how everything's called, what everything means. Think in the way that this offense thinks. And then you can make the determination, do we want to bring that guy up and return everybody to their positions with, you know, some pay bumps or whatever. I don't know how you, you smooth that out. Uh, or maybe Mauser stays as the OC and, you know, but I would imagine to me, it feels like in the future, because if this was, uh, if, if you're returning two guys from last year to this year, you might just say, all right, roll, you're the OC, move on. Uh, but I don't think that you want to do that with returning 100% of your starters, but his track record of being the OC at North Dakota state running the exact style that Campbell wants to run, maybe Mauser and this group does, if they score 
38 a game, you keep it. Like, but if it's good but could be better, then I would just you you might centralize that more and Mauser retains the um associate head coach title and then roll becomes the offensive coordinator. Clanton still and and Paulie still receive the same level of of pay that they had gotten before with some input, but it's just a different shakeup of what's going on. That's my guess of what's happening. Again, no insider information. And we were wrong about Clanton think thinking that Clanton was going to be the OC, but we we're right about the internal promotion. Keeping it in-house, yeah. Um and and to me, if if that does happen, which I think it's a smart movie, because I think I think Roll is I think he I mean I I love this movie. The more and more I read about him, the guy's he's just a winner. I mean, North Coast State obviously won a bunch of national championships. He was an all American when he was at North Coast State. That tells me if if Mauser is because I think I know nothing inside. I think this is going to be like a really collaborative year. Yeah. Like like you kind of talk about where Mauser's gonna have the final say, but I think it's gonna be like a, a really like a, a, a team effort of which I think it always has been, but I think even more so this year. And if if that does happen where Mauser is the OC this year and then next year he takes a step back and, and roll comes in and becomes OC. That tells me that it's we've got a very selfless, cohesive staff that that no one really cares about who's getting the spotlight. Like just just win. And so which I would, I mean, I would love to see that, but I think, I think this role hire is, yeah, I think it's a great hire. I'm, I'm excited to see what becomes of it. Um, and I think part of the reason why you don't just name Mauser offensive coordinator go is he's such a damn good recruiter. Yeah. And so, you know, a guy like Shieldhouse had was kind of able to do both and, and worked into being able to do both, but that was sort of over the course of a few years where that gets you know, it, the intention is likely that he's going to be the offensive coordinator at some point. Like we knew that that was kind of coming. Uh, just when was the question? Well, Mauser has gone like relatively quickly up the chain, but he's also primarily like really involved in recruiting. And so you can't just say like, all right, now you're going to be the offensive coordinator, which all of that game planning, all that preparation, all that spring ball stuff, all that making sure you get everything. Now you're going to also be doing all the recruiting that you were doing before. So I think that's probably why they didn't just say you're the OC. You know, what I think is interesting that uh, quantum Ma- physics. I, no, um, potentially Mauser um, was a was a D lineman in college. Hmm. Yeah, he was a D lineman at Adams State. Um, he was like six one two thirty five when he played. Um, it's interesting to see a defensive guy become an offensive coordinator. And that's kind of what I meant. That like Shieldhouse was like a natural fit as a quarterback, and you just kind of see the field and and could read the defense naturally. Um, so I'll be really really interested, really curious to see how. Uh, how this works out. I'm not, I'm not like, I mean, obviously he's been the tight end coach for nine years, so he's not like still in defensive lineman mindset. Um, but for me, that's my, that's where my mind goes. It's, it's a very natural, if you were a quarterback or offensive guy to become an offensive coordinator, it's a very natural transition. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, yeah, he's also been, like I said, been tight end coach for, for nine years, been around the staff for longer than that. So it's, this is nothing new or foreign to him. And this could also not work, you know, like it's yeah. not saying that they're, they're, we're not, exclusively being like, you know what? Iowa State, not going to miss a step without Shieldhouse. It might happen. Like, there's going to be some some lumps to this. And you kind of count on the fact that there is some selflessness between the guys that you yeah. work together. Because if there's a rub where, let's say, that is, let's say it is the case where Mauser's one call and plays, uh, the, sort of has like the, the the final say on that, and Clanton recommends something or or Polly recommends something, and Mauser continually conti- just keeps just shitting on that idea and saying that it's not right. Mark Mangino and Paul Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was just, there, there was no downside to that. It was just all upside. And, but anyway, like the, there might be some friction in there. Like, and so there's, there's going to be some working out that has to happen 
so I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see how this works. I I would expect that it does work because the track record of the Campbell staff is that the coaching staff gets along. Like even in the quote down years, which, you know, 2022, not fun, uh, but still decent yards production ended up getting, you know, obviously uh, Manning's not there anymore, but you, that's sort of like a blip year. You think based on like the rest of all the track record of how the offense is going. So you kind of feel like it's not necessarily plug and play, but you would trust Campbell's decisions to be able to turn out. So I feel like there is an upside to this because you have three really talented guys that are going to be part of it with uh, two young coaches. I mean, the average age of that staff is like 13 and it's a little young. I, yeah. I mean, third, probably 34 or five. It's probably close. I mean, cause waters is my age. I think, I think he's in the same class that I roll roll. Is probably waters might be a couple years younger. Yeah. So he's younger. I think, so I think, Waters is a couple years younger than me. He's probably 31, maybe 30, 31. Um, anyway, you get, you Paul have Paul and Clanton, I think are our age or yeah. Dion obviously played with him. Waters is 31. Yep. Waters 31. Um, I would say Clanton's probably in the, about the same age, like mid thirties, maybe upper thirties. Uh, oh, Aiden, you had Aiden, it. You had, you had your mic on. I didn't actually. Um, trying to see, he graduated in 2012, I think. Clanton did. So yes. he's three years younger. Uh, I can't find from college. That's one year older than I am. So he'd be 34. Um, so, I mean, either way, like guys are, it's a young staff. And so you, which I like, I, I like yeah, the young and, energetic staff. And you can't really be super selfish when you're young because you recognize that you don't have all the answers versus if you're trying to tell John Haycock what to do, he would have a right to tell you, son, I've coached defense more than you've been alive. Yeah, so off. get out of here. So like it's at being a young, everybody being young, it feels like that's possible. So, Sorry, keep going. No, that was, well, was great to say, be so, out of a thought. So, so we, um, the, the the staff is complete, and so I know what all the fans are thinking. Everyone in in Cyclone Nation, they're thinking, who's the special teams coordinator? Who is the special teams coordinator, Grant? Well, so one hasn't been named, but Langs was last year. Langs hit the road, Jack. He gone. So what I think is going to happen is that Hank Poteet. I think he was. I think he had a big play in it. Um, in special teams last year, I think Hank is going to be special teams guy, whether he gets that title or not, I think he'll be the one that carries the load. Um, Cause Hank was, he was special at, uh, as a punt returner in college and in the pros. You didn't, I'm telling you, you didn't know that. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, it's not clicking. It's not ringing a bell. Is yeah. there, do we still have it? Do we have a coach for operations? Is Who is going to be coaching operations with the kickers and punters, the snappers, holders, kickers, punters, who's coaching operations. I'll ask Dion. I don't know if, if he wants to, I can probably coach him up quick. <laughs> <laughs> get somebody all right now you uh you want you want to throw it between your legs and have to hit the guy that's holding it i think brian schwartz is going to come back and coach him <laughs> field gold uh, no one no, of the I, nicest I, brian schwartz i love brian schwartz i think uh he works for golden rule now so if you need the ac or plumbing tune up great guy <clears throat> I, I think um there was a there was there was a special teams like ops type guy um that wasn't the staff but i don't know if he's still but i think he was in california so he's not like, like he, looked, he just comes in as a consultant is that he, rob grand I think so. Executive special teams quality, but, but I don't think he was. Analysts. I don't think he was actually in Ames. I think he was in California. So it's like uh, zoom in, like right. So I don't. I don't know how that works. So I don't like know. a little robot, I, like a little, uh, just like a fake. You put an iPad on a RC car and just kind of like roll him around. Which is hey, 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 I need to get better. Can someone pick me up and put me in a better angle? I need to be able to see the the plant leg. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know who's going to be the special teams like like operations type guy, but I, th I think Hank Poteet will be kind of the, 
coordinator. Yeah. Okay. With, with with or without the title, I think that's who it'll it'll be. Yeah. Right now it says Rob Rob Grande is the executive special teams quality control slash analyst. But again, I don't. Think also, I think uh, Rory Walling has yeah, a lot of special say, teams too. We need so. to acknowledge that you know he's on staff. Rory, so Rory, the king of East Des Moines. So. He, we were talking off, off air about great ice cream spots, and you guys, neither one of you had grannies. I guarantee the Wallings have had grannies. I actually think I've seen John Walling in line at grannies. I met John Walling at the, the We Will. God, event. what a fun great person. Guy. What a fun person, John mustache. Walling. Uh, he's always had, I talked to Rory about this. He's always had a mustache for as long as Rory's been alive. He's never seen his dad without a mustache. That's great. Uh, but I think Rory is also has a lot to do with special teams, which is probably one of the reasons why you can kind of like by committee. He's he's listed as part of special teams. Yeah, so Love he's. Yeah, I, I talked to him at the the Weevil thing. Just kind of he he is probably going to be have a bigger role as far as like setting a roster. Might not might not necessarily be like calling what punt return you're running, but like who's going to be out there, who's the ones that are going to be in reads. I think Rory's going to have a lot to do with that too. Yeah, that's good. And I I uh, Chase Contreras is gone. I don't know. That's too bad. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the combines this week, so we'll see TJ Tampa. But I don't know. Is he the only one that's there, TJ? I think so. Okay. I mean, really, no one else graduated, so it's not like they're Contreras. I think, I think he should. I don't. I know he's got a baby in the way, uh, and he's recently engaged. So, congratulations to him and his fiance. Um, but I don't know if he's going to try to go to the NFL or not. Like I've said many times, I think he has a leg too, the the potential too. Um, but there is a there, there's a freshman on the a walk on on the uh, on the staff that the, the coaches really like. So, Gilbert may or may not be the guy uh, next year. We have all summer to talk about potential kickers and who's going to be the starter Let's at that barn now, burner though. position. No, we need to start right now. We need to start week right by now. week thing. <laughs> this is who's got it on February 26th. Who's going to be the starter come September. No, I've, I've heard that. Uh, I think it's Kyle Conrad Conradry is the, uh, co- the coaches like him. Cool. Number 97. Cool. So keep eye on that. Any kicker with the nineties numbers. Great. Why, why do kickers wear nineties? Because usually, can. usually you get tossed just, Whatever numbers left over, uh. <laughs> for real. That, that, my my sophomore, I I played on varsity as a sophomore, and literally, I was the youngest guy in line. I went seniority first. You walked in, you picked whatever jersey you wanted. I was the last one in line because I was the youngest one. I was the only sophomore on the team. Number four was the only number that was left. It was like a number four four, four X. Yeah, you know? that's a cool number. So I was number four in in, in high school. Then in college, I was twenty one. My mom passed away on February first, so two one. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be I want to be twenty one. Okay. And there was a senior who had number 21. Who? He was a cornerback. I can't okay. remember. He switches number to 24, I want to say. Um, and he was kind of upset. But Chiswick was like, hey, you, you don't play. <laughs> yeah. Mahoney's taking your number. Cool. So that's that's why I had 21. And there you have it. Yeah. Neat. So I did not have, yeah. And, and Geyer, he got to select 25. I think it's what he was in, in high school. But now the coaches are just like, Whatever kicker. Yeah. <laughs> I uh my number is 32 at Iowa State because I was 82 in high school uh as a running back, which I started the reason why I started with 82. So this is a some people may have heard this story. I don't even think I've said this one too much. So I, I mentioned earlier in the show I really loved what like I loved Ed McCaffrey growing up. Like I was a he was the toughest dude to play. I mean, just whatever. So I wanted to be 87. But there was already an 87. And so the nearest number to 87 that wasn't already taken was 82. And I actually started as a sophomore at X receiver. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was an X receiver. And I was like, all right, 82, Ed McCaffrey, here we go. And then I was, I was maybe like 5'10 or 5'11, like a buck 75 as a 16-year-old kid playing on varsity. Yeah, it's, a, it's 
not kind of knowing what I was doing, kind of not, but still like a buck 75 is a pretty big high school kid, especially as a I went into college at 142 pounds. So. Yeah. I don't have, have you ever touched 175? Stop dude. I'm 180 right now. Oh, sure. I was 185 when I played. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, so anyway, the first, the first three games of my sophomore year, we have, we had two guys named Seth Negret and Kyle Johnson. One of them t- sprained an ankle and Seth Negret. Uh, I believe this was the story as best I can recall the rhythmettes was the dance team for Iowa state. And during homecoming, the senior boys would for, or would come up with a dance and they would be the rhythm men. Mm-hmm. Well, it, part of that was, or part of that choreographed dance when he was a senior, it's like buck 85 grant Mahoney. No way. No way. I'm, de- I'm, I'm deceptively anyway. Uh, so the rhythm men dance and they, one of the, the seniors was supposed to like Negret was supposed to, I, I, as best I can recall, put his hand or put his foot on like the, the bigger guy's thigh. And he was going to, with his hands and was going to throw him into a backflip. And they were practicing this for homecoming week. And the guy throwing him over rotated the uh, regret. And so he landed on the ground and got a concussion. Oh, so you have one guy with a sprained ankle. You have one guy who's got a concussion. He missed like several weeks and they're like, Hey, Woody, you're big enough to play running back. <laughs> come try it. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I think my first game, it was against Ames. I had like, like 12 carries for like 68 yards or something like that. And they were like, you can stay. So then <laughs> next week, the next, so I, I stayed at running back the rest of the year, still numbered 82. Cause you're not going to switch numbers mid year. And by the time next, the next year rolled around, I was like, it's kind of a cool number. I'm going to keep 82 end up run successful enough to get all state and I'm not going to change it after an all state year. So like you go in as number 82 again and people are like this, why is this? What you're in the backfield? Why are you number 82? It doesn't make it. It doesn't make any sense. So it just stayed there because I started running back. And the only reason that I or started wide receiver, the only reason I ended up playing running back was because a rhythm and dance guy or in the rhythm and dance guy got over rotated and got a concussion. Cause opening you, up the space you stabbed the starter in the leg so i stabbed the starter in the leg when did you uh did you ever carry the ball with just one hand or was it always no i did i did so there was Roll your head down yeah no i mean i had to you run faster with one hand with your left hand like, get, the, get the brain waves going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jt mccarthy's brushing is the alpha i've been brain doing waves. that i've uh, been doing that i do you feel like your alpha brain waves are more stimulated dude I, I told you i think my my if i have any alpha brain waves it's like like gray's like if you were to toss a pebble into it like the kind of waves that those would create very small and very like, tiny just yeah like they're ripples. there but like yeah, alpha ripples this weekend i tried doing more stuff left-handed brush with my left hand i was doing manly shit installed like a shelving system into one of our closets Used the drill left-handed took probably a lot longer than it's it needed to totally crooked nothing is nothing straight like no it's the all screws screw in around. the drywall it's not had, even anchored anything it's not any stud if, uh, you, if you really want to try and test your brainwaves, wipe your butt with your left, your left hand. <laughs> Just make sure you're taking a shower pretty quickly afterwards. I had a, I had, I broke my hand and I broke both wrists in high school multiple times, but I had, my hand was broken. My right hand was broken. It's tough to wipe. So yeah, I try to go left-handed, try doing some time. I mean, I'll pass, but it, it's not a skill that I feel like I need to develop. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, you never know. You could lose your right hand in a snowmobile. Anyway, to finish the, the number story, 38, if you cut an eight and a half, it's a three. And so Ryan McKim was the one that like selected the number and he was like, Hey, 32, just cut an eight and a half, it's a three. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's it. That's, the, that's the story. There you go. That's great. So yeah, 82 kept 82 and cut eight, cut an eight and a half. And that's three. You guys want to feel old real quick? Sure. I used to wear the number 19. Okay. Because Josh Lund's my favorite football player growing up. Still, he's my favorite football player. That's fair. He's also handsome. 
Then I switched to number one Definitely high school. handsome. Because 19 isn't really a basketball number, so I had to find something new. Then you switched to number Why one. Why is 19 not a basketball number? Because Jarvis West. You can't do the hands. Oh, you can't for like fouls and stuff. Nine. Yeah. Oh, they didn't like that. Got so. it. Oh, the referees didn't like it because they can't signal to the bench who's the one that's got the foul. Yeah, that's dumb. That's malarkey. Well, yeah. That's dumb. That's but Mahoney. If, if I was one, then I could do across everything. So oh. makes sense. Okay. Interesting. Got a new segment. I just want to try. So we're gonna I, just for the sake of having stuff in the can because I feel like that what the listeners want is our opinion on really important matters. So the segment we're going to do, overrated, underrated. And I'm the only one that brought one. I've got one now. Okay, great. Uh, is, are you talking about wiping with your right hand? Yes. Is that going to be the overrated? That's underrated. <laughs> underrated is wiping with your offhand. Uh, no, underrated, underrated is, is, is wiping with your strong hand. Because <laughs> it's really important. Try it. Okay, what's the overrated part of that then? Like, the, What's the inverse of that? Wiping with your bat with your offhand? Overrated. Don't want it. Don't yeah, want I, it. I didn't know I needed to bring an overrated. Uh, so overrated. This is just from recent person ex- personal experience. Wiping I've got, in and of itself is overrated. No. <laughs> <laughs> never, that's, never wipe. That's, that's going to itch when it dries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm. This is completely. I wasn't gonna. You know, an underrated. Here's the underrated. Uh, the the double check wipe after let's say you're 30 minutes post experience and you're not sure if you got all of it. Going back into the bathroom, double check cleanliness wipe, get rid of it, wash your hands afterwards to make sure you're totally clean because you don't want to get some frick, unnecessary friction after you get done. If the first clean cycle wasn't complete or as efficient as it needs to be, the post check wipe. I don't experience that, Jeff. I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Amy. You guys don't wipe with pine cones? No. Oh, no. Should I switch from pine cones? I make sure I get it. I make sure I get it clean the first time. Okay. Uh, so pro strategy, just do it before you shower in the morning. Just only poop once. You only poop once in a day. Yeah. Wow. And that's a strong colon, buddy. Eat more. That's a strong colon. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um. Okay. So the overrated, underrated, those gonna have over. Okay. Uh, overrated is a large perineum. <laughs> underrated. Ooh. <laughs> is uh, this is a straight first one? Straight parenting. Uh, they come. They have these like bassinets that are fancy that like you put a baby in and then you have to like put them in a sleep sack and it's called a snoo and you like strap them in. And what it does is <laughs> I was thinking smush smush from the South Park with Snooky. Uh, but anyway, like it, what it's supposed to do is supposed to like sense when the kid is like starting to fuss and then it'll start to rock for you. And like two it wow. seems like it's a pretty good thing. Uh, our daughter absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. Luckily we didn't buy it because it was a hand-me-down for my, my brother, but the fancy bassinet, like you know what she sleeps the best in basically a basket. Just it's the same thing. Just put her on the put her in a basket. Make sure she doesn't roll out. Falls asleep. Great. Uh, underrated sound machines. If you ever have kids, invest in a really nice sound machine because when a kid is screaming and they finally go to sleep and you don't have a good sound machine or a good white noise machine on and you accidentally take a step backwards and maybe you played football for like fifteen years of your life and your knees crack mm. and your knees cracking wakes your kid up and it startles her and then she screams for thirty minutes. After being asleep, if yeah. you if you've had kids listening to me right now, you can absolutely you're wincing because that experience is real, and it was only because our sound machine died. I'm gonna struggle because my ankles crack like every step. Oh God! Crank the sound machine up, man. Just get a white noise machine, crank it up. I can te- just get, invest in a good sound machine. We have to have a fan on. Say we. I have to have a fan on at night because like, if it's too quiet, 
like any, you just hear everything. Any, yeah, any little thing. So yeah. I, have, I have a fan going tonight. Yeah, just think of that as a baby. You don't even understand what the world is, and just someone makes a noise, and maybe it's a you know a joint, and it just snaps. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, second, overrated, underrated. Actually, has something to do with basketball. I think overrated is tournament seeding. Asterisk. Which ter- Big Twelve or big, or big, actual? T- big time, big NCAA tournament. Okay, March Madness. Overrated tournament seeding. Underrated tournament location. Oh yeah, I like that. So. The argument for this would be like, well, most of the time the number one seeds go. Aren't the number one seeds better anyway? Like, and they're, and they're playing like, you know, the, the weaker competition. Early but on. at the same time, the difference between like a 13 and a 14 isn't much. The difference between an 11 and a 12 isn't much. And it's just which side of the bracket five you get to 12. On. I mean, look at that five to 12 almost every year. And then now we're seeing more like four 13s. But yeah, there, there's, there's upsets everywhere. Yeah. And so like the difference between a one and a two is like, I would imagine decent like that's probably the first one but the difference between a two and a three you're on the same side of the bracket because the two and the three are on the same side of the bracket the one and the four are on the same side of the bracket so between the two and a three like where iowa state's at right now i honestly don't think it matters much between a two and a three what matters is location yeah so like if you're in it the, the whole omaha thing if there's Omaha or even if there's something, there's nothing in Texas, but like if there is a game in Texas, there's a good like the DFW Cyclones. There's enough alumni that are down there that you could have a full arena that it feels like sort of like a home game-ish. Because uh, where was in, wasn't it in Chicago? Where was the one that when Tyrese hit the shot to... Milwaukee. Milwaukee. So it's in Milwaukee. That's close. Like you have more or less a home field advantage when it's close. So like if you're a really long ways away and it's a dead environment or you're playing, let's say it's a two fifteen, and it's you're playing UNC Wilmington and it's in Asheville, North Carolina. All right. You have about a neutral advantage. Every team in the tournament's good. So my overrated is seating to an extent. Like it matters if you're a one or a four, but you're never going to be between a one and a four. Like the good teams are going to be around a one or a two and a three maybe. And then like bleeds down a little bit, but I think underrated is tournament location. So I would rather, be a three seed in Omaha than a two seed anywhere else. Yeah. And you know, Williams and Blumen talked about it on their, um, their Sunday pod about, would you rather win the big 12 or be seated in, in Omaha? What do you guys think on that one? Generally, like before, if, if Iowa state had a chance to outright win the conference, I would want that. I don't want to share. I don't want to share with, with Houston. They can have it. Sure. I would rather have the Omaha, Omaha location, almost guaranteeing Iowa state, you know, assuming they win the first round, probably win the second round home court advantages to really whoever they're playing. And in the grand scheme of things, it's like 20 years from now, no one's going to remember where they played their first and second round of games. They're going to remember a big 12 regular season title, especially over the last, you know, three, four years when the big 12 has been the best conference in college basketball without a question, really. At the same time, I think I'd rather take Omaha just because, I mean, I'm looking here at the Iowa State redacted game mm-hmm. in 2015 where they were the three seed mm-hmm. playing in Kentucky, which I believe Kentucky was also there. Mm-hmm. They were playing in Louisville as well. And so everyone just roots for upsets in March Madness pretty much, regardless of who your roots are, unless it's your team playing right. pretty much. Right. So when you get a game in Louisville, you have pretty much every Kentucky fan cheering for UAB. And all of a sudden, it's a road game. Right. If you can get essentially, like you talked about, essentially a home game for March Madness in Omaha, that's huge. Yeah. The, to me, it's that it feels like the seeding matters less than where you get it. So would you rather have a Big 12 tournament or w- would you rather have a Big 12 championship or Omaha? 
I would rather have an outright conference championship or a conference like the actual regular season championship than Omaha, but I would rather have Omaha than the tournament title. So like, I don't think it's necessarily going to be at the really that much at odds. The only thing that would be difficult would be weird is let's say Kansas and Iowa state are both on the two line. Like let's say Iowa state uh, wins the big 12, Iowa state and Houston tie for the big 12 regular season championship. And then Kansas wins the tournament, the, the big 12 tournament. So now you have regular season title, Houston, Iowa state can't tie or a conference title, Kansas. Kansas is a two seed. Like there's, they're at worst a two seed. Yeah. And Iowa State regular season title. Houston's a one. Iowa State's probably a two. So Kansas would probably because they're the higher two would probably get the Omaha spot. Iowa State gets knocked out in that situation. That's not as nice, you no, know. K- Kansas is such a goofy team to me too because they lost by twenty nine to Tech to Texas Tech they, when they were playing without Harris and McCuller. But, but still, but yeah, still, but it's it's still the but long- they got. But then, but then they, they've got some impressive non-cons and they, they're the only team that drilled, drilled Houston. They beat Houston by like 20, but they've got, they've got three of the top four teams right now. They've got, they've got wins over. So they beat UConn, they beat Tennessee, Tennessee, and and they they beat Houston. They haven't played Purdue, which I get get Purdue out of there, man. I, th- I think and they can shoot. I, think, I, I, I think, still th- I think Purdue's going to yeah, bounce it, quick. It feels like they they have the potential to be an upset if you have a team that draw that be either either Edie gets in foul trouble or you have a team that can shoot with them. You know what I saw though? Uh, so they lost last year to to St. Peter's, and what St. Peter's did was they they went like a five guard lineup. So mm-hmm. Edie, so Edie had to come out. Yeah. So like they, I don't know what they did on defense, but on offense they were just he was a non factor because his guy his guy would pull him out to the to the the arc. And then they, you know, they would drive around, and do whatever, uh-huh. or or the guy would be too quick and would just go right past them. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think Purdue is uh, upsettable, very much so. So, so, so I, I Aiden, were you able to find that? Uh, no, I think I can't find just like a bracket. So, so, so I, I, I'd, ask Aiden, tell, I'd ask Aiden uh, if if Iowa State was in Omaha, where would the next? Where would the Sweet 16 games be if they if they won the first two rounds? That also might be determined once they have the team set in place. Gotcha. I I didn't know if that was available or not. Because it's, isn't that because it's like the Midwest and the South brackets have locate have the like where Omaha feeds to. Like they're part of the be. Midwest bracket yeah. and part of like the South bracket. I think is where so like Kansas and, and Iowa State could theoretically both Kansas could be the two seed in Omaha. Iowa State could be the three seed in Omaha, and they could not be in the same part of the bracket. They, yeah. they can't the same region. Can't, the same region. They could be in the south and they could be in the Midwest because they 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 don't all necessarily share. Yeah. What I think is interesting too is that there's a huge um Iowa State alumni contingency in Phoenix too. So if Iowa State gets the final four. Oh shit. If Iowa State gets the final four, flights from Des Moines to Phoenix are going to be twelve hundred dollars because the amount of people that are going to be down there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, not, I'm not, not trying to put the car in front of the horse. But. I feel like I have a baby and I feel like, all right, Nell, we're going to get you on a plane again. Cause yeah. we're going down, we're going to a basketball game. We're going to shoot those, the, the baby headphones, keep the sound out. We are going. Cause that is way too good of an event to not yeah. potentially be a part of. Okay. So the sweet 16 and elite eight based off this. So it's in Boston, Dallas, Detroit, LA. So probably Boston East. Okay. Dallas South. Detroit, Detroit would be Midwest. Midwest. So it's probably so Detroit. So you're probably looking at Detroit. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably, it, theoretically, it would be Omaha, Omaha, Detroit, Detroit, or Dallas, Dallas. I honestly think the Dallas one would be better. 
Yeah, I feel like because yeah. the, there's a pretty good contingent of of cyclones down there in Texas. So did I say contingency? I did. Contingent, yeah, contingency. I did, I, I said it's like a, I, yeah, like just if the cyclones make it, we're gonna have a lot of people down there. If thought, they don't, we have no idea what's gonna happen. I thought I used a big word correctly. Then. Contingent. Uh, I don't know. It feels like that. That to me feels more important. Like I said, more important than seeds. So that's overrated, underrated, everybody. I like it. I like it. Maybe we can get a sponsor for that segment. So if anybody from outside scoops listening, in Ankeny or uh, Granny's ice cream, I was just, I'm, I'm just either one. We're looking for an ice cream sponsor. No really. free ads, but my God, <laughs> I'm, I mean, East Side or Granny's is just the best. Uh, the outside scoop also the best. Actually, like, like, that's like, like the, Ankeny, so. that's that's like the hard the what is it hard serve is that we call it like hard serve or actual scoop ice cream outside scoop great. Uh, also Creamery in, in Polk City great. Uh, soft serve stuff, Granny's. It's just I just feel like you know. Best. Uh, overrated, underrated. It, you can have like an like an outside take. You know, like we're kind of thinking outside the box. So outside scoop. That's uh, what I'm trying. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying <laughs> pandering. Grant um, just wants free ice cream. Grant just wants free ice cream. Yeah, I finished. He was a buck eighty five when he graduated per the roster. That's right. How many weights did you have in your shoes when you were doing that? None, man. <laughs> I'm deceptive. I was six one in the roster too. I've never. You would guess I'm one eighty right now. Do they ask you? What your height and weight is? I don't, they know, where they you? Or is I don't it know where that comes from. I have no idea where that comes from. They're just like, just, yeah, Jeff, you look, just, you look six, six yeah. for, 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 the, for the roster. Yeah, they, they took our weight every morning. Well, yeah, so but that like, makes the, sense, weight, the but... height. Like, I don't know where the height comes from. Like, they just look You're like no. Just... Every, every year we we would have to we go against the wall and they would. Just... I I never remember doing that except oh, I, on pro day. I did I did because they had to put me in my socks and I remember at pro day. They are like, oh, you're you're five eleven and uh, twelve thirteenths. I was like, oh, for God's sakes, or whatever it was, Thir- thirteen fourteenths. I was like, give me six foot. You gotta be kidding. I me. was six foot and one eighth inch, and that's only because I have this little knob on top of my head right here. Oh and, sure, yeah. So I can uh, like turn my head down and just like pokes up just a little bit. I should have knocked myself in the head. I have. Oh yeah, you should have. It's like you're you just at the very top of your head, just where you're going to reach down for the cereal, and you just like catch yourself on uh-huh. the cabinet yeah. just a bit, just so you can kind of like get a little little uh rudolph horn on top of your head uh but yeah i don't know i i, I have no idea where six one came from i know it's it's totally apples to oranges but at my uh class a slash eight man high school they would just ask us what we were <laughs> were you six one <laughs> i think one year i put like five nine and a half and then the next year i put five eight <laughs> someone was like you were five nine last Man, year i'm like oh little, really that's crazy look, look at all look at all the work he's done in the weight room he's up 20 pounds and down an inch and a half i, I think it was like my junior i'm like yeah i'll be a little like give myself an inch because everyone <laughs> would like add five pounds in an inch that was the thing uh, <laughs> well, he graduated six four <laughs> wow that's impressive so they, they would have us um they would always juice up our heights so in college i'm pretty sure they said i was like six three what? Oh yeah, six two, six. Two. They, I won't be able to find my roster. I don't think. I'm trying to find a max price. I was you, six you one. Used to be on there. I was six one. I've never been six one in my life. I'm six, six foot. Ma- on max the, I, max I'm, preps has has me at six foot, but on our on our roster, um, it said I was like it said I guess I was six two. That's I was, impressive. I, that's like it'd be great if I was six two. That's impressive. Uh, and the last thing we really we just need to go over. Do you want to talk about the West Virginia game at all? It feels like that yeah, was just I do. A, that was a, of a game that you end up with a win. I do. Um. We can just talk about it briefly. So I forgot West Virginia. They 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 have dudes. They, they, have, they have a few. Well, they, they Edwards had, is good. They had the number one recruiting uh, transfer class, but then and then Bobby Huggins got the boot, and so some of those guys left. But um, Kirk Creesa was was a really good. Uh, he came from Arizona, really mm-hmm. good point guard. Also, extremely unlikable. 
Unless he's your guy. He's unlikable for the sole fact that he's got his first name on the on his on the back of his jersey because that's what uh Steve Kerr, obviously his last name is is Kerr. Right? And then is, the is there any other reason than that? Yeah, so he was at Arizona. Which is where Kirk Steve Kerr played. Yes. So he wanted the twenty five Kerr jersey. Ah. That's about that that, that alone, yeah. man. Like that alone, like, dude, you look like a squid doing that. Like and uh you, your last name is Chris, put, put that in the back of your jersey. Kaisa. He's German. Kaisa. Uh, he's not from America. I don't know where he's from, but he's not. He's, he's an overseas kid. Uh, anyway, and then the Edwards kid. He could from, fall. From Syracuse. He's, he he's, can ball. He's, he's a dude. And then uh, Roll Call Battle came from, I think, Montana, who is, was like the number one um, like transfer guy from that level, like a like non-Power 5 guy, I guess. Um, so they, they had some dudes, but then they were injured. They didn't – like this is only like their – Six game, seventh game playing together, like battle had been out for a lot of the time. So like they've got some dudes when they've got the, their their coaches like an interim coach. He's not gonna be I mean, he was just but he was forced into a position because basically they'd already signed that recruiting class more or less. And then this summer is when all hell broke loose if you're a West Virginia fan. Yeah. And you know, they that roster falls apart and I don't know, they it, it's hard, you know, you feel bad for him a little bit, like the players that are there, because like they didn't come to play for anybody other than Bob Huggins, but then you're sort of too late in the process to switch anything. And you, you know, I'm sure they're, they're monetarily being compensated for their commitment to the university through the, whatever collective it is. But like, that still kind of sucks. They got, they got, they got paid well. Yeah. I think, I think. it's still, like, it does suck good for them, but yeah. like, it still kind of sucks. You it does have... suck because they, they were, you know, like, like Blumen mentioned in April, like when the, the team was still intact, they were talking like national title run. Like they had, they had a really good squad. Um, so they, they had the, the, those three guys are talented. Um, Iowa State was like an 18 point favorite, it's like which is way too much. But I, I just watching the game, it just seemed like Iowa State was, you know, there's pra- a half a step. You, slow. you know, in practice, like you don't you aren't going full speed at all times. You know, it's just kind of like not really going through the motion, but just it's practice. a little bit. You can call it going through the motion. It's practice, like practice. Okay, can I just say that? Did you watch? Have you ever watched the Allen Iverson Allen Iverson 30 for 30 practice? Have you seen the Allen Iverson Allen Iverson 30 for 30? Yeah. Practice. Man, that is the most the, the game the practice, dude. That is if I remember the context of that, right? He was he missed a practice because he was going to the funeral of yep. one of his friends who had passed mm-hmm. away. And the reporter asked him, why were you not at practice? And the whole point of that rant wasn't practice isn't important. He's saying that like, I missed a practice. I missed a practice I, I, I missed a to go to, I missed a practice to go to a funeral of one of my friends. And you're criticizing me about missing a practice when I'm trying to mourn human life over here. And so like that, we're talking about practice. Wasn't a big a big part of it too was like spend a day in my shoes. Yeah. And like that, I feel like that is the most misquoted thing. Like the the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, you can take that one to the bank. But I'm on Team Allen Iverson on that one. The, the I'm practice. a man. I think it was during the playoffs too, wasn't it? I don't remember. So I think that's why it, it was came at, up like it was the first the next place. practice. The, the next what? day's practice. The, trying to find the Allen Iverson. It happened in I don't remember the exact, the, I don't remember the details on like the timing. I just remember that he missed it for like a very good so reason. It was May 7th. So it would have been yeah, early playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. But anyway, that was, but it, it just, it seemed like Iowa state was just kind of it was playoffs, like, like a scrimmage to him. Like they just, you kidding me? Thankfully, Iowa state's a more talented team and we just, you know, they could just show up and just win, but what's Virginia made? They made it a game. Well, um, they just turned it over a zillion times. Yeah. I mean, was, that was, that was some of them were And West Virginia typically turns the ball over a lot and they didn't really turn over as much as I anticipated them to. So it just they turned over 23 times. I, I, I thought it was me a lot more than that, to be honest. Wasn't that was a, I'm pretty sure that was the most that West Virginia had turned the ball over all year. 
by like a good bit too. Like they turn it over a lot. Like they average in the upper teens, I think. But as if I remember like Jess settles in the broadcast saying like, and they extend their, you know, records 22nd turnover yeah. or whatever. Um, they had a couple of dumb, like just throw, yeah, up, just, throw, <laughs> throw up the guy's head. Yeah. Just whip it out of bounds for no real good reason. Um, I think to me that the takeaway from that one is that there is enough depth on the team to be able to salvage when something's not going. Don't let Jackson get hot. Don't let Jackson get hot, man. Dude, Pav came in his first three shots. Bang! Just, boom. Just shooting nailed with it. Confidence. That, that's what I love about the squad. They're shooting with confidence. Taman had two threes from the same spot on the wing. Stepped into it. Bang. Knocked them both down. I love... I don't care. Trey King has been... He is surprisingly a decent three sh- three point shooter and puts him up, but so often he puts him up I'm like, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> but when he's shooting with confidence, I'm like, I it love also, it. Especially because he's playing four. Most of the time he's playing the four, which allows Milan to play the three. So Milan's drawing a shorter defender usually. And then Trey is going to be drawing the bigger defender to draw that guy out, which then Rob Jones is just in a fist fight with their five point guard, Rob Jones and point guard, Rob Jones point forward. Right. Uh, and they like it's just a it's a dynamic roster that you're able to play with but the thing that comes for me the thing that comes to mind is this felt a lot like the uib game you know like the redacted game is that there it came out flat like dead flat the whole way but granted you're not playing a tournament team but guy like jackson comes off absolutely just has like powder keg and rob jones goes coast to coast with that turnover powder keg Iowa State, well, their biggest lead was what, like 14 or 16 or something like that towards the middle of the game. And it sort of kind of closed out a little bit late. But you go from being down, was it 14 to two or something like that early? And then you end up with the 51-50 trailing after the first kind of sloppy 10 minutes. But Jackson comes in, boom. Then you get Rob Jones with that coast-to-coast, boom. And all of a sudden, energy's back because a guy like Jackson has that, you know, the Tyrus McGee microwave, bring him off the bench and go. And he's a little bit of a defensive liability in that he's going to get blown by like Jamal shed and sharp. I think when they was, they were playing Houston, as soon as they got Pavletsky, they just like told everybody to get out of the way. We're going one-on-one, but in situations where he can rotate and he can dive on the ball and get in passing lanes, really good. He's going to be really good by the time he's like, if he stays around for a while, I think he's only a sophomore. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's going to be able to develop physically. Like once he gets stronger, a little bit quicker too, because with his confidence and like the capacity to shoot, like, He's going to be a dog, but it feels like this roster has enough guys, enough character guys who can pull a team out of a slump when that slump is there. And there's enough depth that like, I think Milan didn't have a great game and uh, Keyshawn gets in foul trouble and okay, what do we do? All right. Jackson comes in or whatever. Like it, it feels like there's enough depth to do that. The only thing I'm a little bit nervous about is Hassan Ward's shoulder. Make sure that's okay. That's true. Uh, but other than that, I mean, that was, if you can have a, if you have a turd that you just plop on the floor and you can still win by, you'd be up by double digits for the majority of the, like the, the final quarter of the game and you get a win. Cool. That was the team to do against too. And Iowa state was due for a letdown game. They've been playing so hard for, and that was after Houston too. So consistently. Yeah. So that was the perfect spot for a letdown, you know, sleepwalk through the game, get the W get out of there, move on to Oklahoma, get the win. Um, which I anticipate Iowa state will be jazzed up for on Wednesday. Um, yeah, revenge game. They, they've got a chance to, it'd be, it'll be tough. It'll be tough for them to, to finish out the regular season undefeated from, from here. Um, they have, they have a, have a very real chance to, um, and there's cause the three people that are in contention with them with Houston, Kansas, and Baylor, all three of them have way harder roads to go. Houston has to play Kansas at home. 
Uh, they also have to go to, to UCF like Iowa State does. Uh, Baylor has to play both Kansas. Or can, Baylor has to host Kansas. Baylor hosts Kansas, right? Because I I Kansas goes to Baylor and to Houston. Baylor plays TCU tonight, so we're recording Monday. So they, they play at TCU, which is, can be a tough game. TCU uh-huh. can be tough at home. But then they they host Kansas, they host Texas, and they go to Texas Tech, which could be a tough game yeah. as well. And so, yeah, Kansas has to go to Baylor and to Houston. Yep. So those are the, the games that you're sort of competing with. I mean, depending on the health of Kevin McCuller and how the rest of the guys go. And Kansas hosts Kansas State, which oh, rivalry game. No, they're going to be they're going to be kansas state by 100 after losing in the first you think bill self's not going to beat the brakes off of jerome tang and in, in a road game they, 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 they may only have six guys dude i think fog allen i think bill self's lost like 18 times in 20 years at fog allen couple of times uh it's true um but the the other the thing that's sort of scary about kansas with mcculler having to sit they are being forced to develop some semblance of a bench and it's true. Uh, Justin Timberlake's cousin, Nick, uh, dude can play like as a forward. That's not really his cousin. Is no, it? I don't think okay. it's actually his cousin. Maybe it is. He's a, he's, I know he's a transfer. I saw him in concert. Horrible. Amazing. Horrible. What? what? It, it was because he, he, like his vocal cords were shot. Was oh, okay. Omaha, and he like high pitched. He like turned the mic to the crowd and sing. I'm like, no, I came to hear you. And then he would dance. And Hey, a lot of people have flu games. Some people respond differently. Justin Timberlake, officially not a dog. Not a dog. Uh, I saw Dave Grohl with Foo Fighters. He had uh, laryngitis. Uh, Try singing the Foo Fighters songs. You don't have any vocal cords. So it was really cool. Foo Fighters fan here for all the rest of the Foo Fighters foodies. I don't know if there's any. Anyway, Foo Fighters fans. Uh, I got to see Taylor Hawkins because Dave needed his vocal cords needed a break. So Dave went to go play drums and Taylor Hawkins came out and sang vocals and they sang a David Bowie song. So I got to see Dave Grohl drum a David Bowie song with Taylor Hawkins singing in the front. That's pretty that neat. was so cool. That's pretty neat. One of the favorite concert experiences I've had. Uh, and it was in one of, uh, I, I have, it, with some connections are like fairly rich people. One of them, they weren't going to use their box. They just gave me tickets oh. for, a, it was in a, like a luxury box to watch that. Super cool. Anyway, Kansas with Timberlake actually being able to play when McCullough comes back and they have as El Marco Jackson is the backup kind of their one or two that they can play. So they have, if those two guys can play, they have seven. Now Dickinson, there's not really anybody that can come in and play with when Hunter Dickinson, if he gets in foul trouble or like rolls an ankle or something, but Kansas, if Dickinson can stay more or less out of foul trouble, they can be with, if, if Timberlake and Jackson can play well, which they are forced to play now. I mean, they beat the brakes off Texas with McCuller being gone. Now we're going to text. I don't think they're really trying that hard for Rodney Terry anymore, but like it, that Kansas, if they have those that six and seven with Jackson or with El Marco Jackson and, and Nick Timberlake, that's a dirty team that you really got to worry for worry about if you're going to run into them in March. I, I heard that at uh, coming out of halftime that Texas was doing like reverse between the legs layups. Like just <laughs> dicking around. <laughs> they like, don't care. What are we doing here guys? They don't care. No. Uh, so oh boy. fun episode. Um, next week we're gonna have a guest on to um to talk Tangate and to uh to tang it? To, to, to wrap up is it two G's Tang is that a hyphen Tangate Tang it Tang just one G it's Tang it Tangat um Tangate so we'll have Tim Fitzgerald back on um great guest you you were not there last time you're gonna love him he's a great dude um one of the few Kansas State Mildcats that I actually like um. So that's all for now. So um, thank you to all of our loyal listeners who are still listening. Uh, And as always, remember, adopt, don't shop.